Welcome to another Nerds Amalgamated episode. I am the DJ, and with me today, I have Bucky. Hello. How's it going, by Buck? I'm marvelous. Yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going well. I'm going good. Another, th- another fun day, another fun episode. That's it. We're always about fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We may not, we may not always be educational, but we are always entertaining. Ah, uh, yeah. All good. Good to inspire the next generation. Well, next generation, they're all going to be dead. <laughs> Would it, oh. I wouldn't worry about inspiring a generation, just inspire someone. And the, vo- uh, well, and the voice. Oh. There's a big difference between inspiring the next generation to do great things and inspiring the next Hitler. Hitler was cool. Oh, are we really going to play that line? <laughs> we are so getting banned from everything. Yep. <laughs> What Everyone do you mean? Some... Hitler was cool because he was on top of a mountain where it was cold. Well, at the start, like a lot of the stuff he did was pretty good for the for Germany. It was just later on he st- he, he went crazy. Yeah. You, got that, you got that line: "Absolute power corrupts absolutely." He had absolute power. Yep, brought his un uh, oh, what's the word for unfriendly side to the surface. Yeah, and it wasn't just him. Like you had all the rest of the the guys around him that were doing stuff and they just fed on each other. Yeah. And the, Still, uh, I hope we're not inspiring that kind of person. And the voice that, and the other person you hear was the professor. Hello. And the, the next generation, I'm, I, I hope we don't raise the next Hitler in the next generation. I'm hoping that. We probably won't because <laughs> you're all going to be dead. Nuclear war, baby. <laughs> yeah, besides, we've got Donald Trump. We don't need another Hitler. We already got one. Really? Trump? I was thinking more um, Kim Jong-il. Or Un, I mean. Well, when you he has like to, one nuke. When, when you can figure out how to pronounce his name, we can worry about him. <laughs> oh, man, that's so going to be bad when North Korea starts attacking America, if it ever, if it ever happens. What do you mean, if they start attacking? They're, they're at war for a number of years. You do realise that. Yeah, I do. I do realize that. I meant North North America, North Korea trying to attack America now would be kind of frightening if it if they start launching missiles. Well, they have done that under the guise of a missile test, but it just wasn't good enough. Fair enough. Um, anyways, um, let's get the show on the road. Um, so I've got a t- I've got a good anime series that you guys would love to check out. Um, it's called Dr. Stone, and it is coming out on July 5th. So that's that's a couple of hours away. And oh, it's... no, you've just revealed our recording date. <laughs> now the time travellers will know exactly where to find me when they come to assassinate me. <laughs> uh, so the premise for this story is basically humanity um, has all of a sudden enca- is encased in stone and thousands of years have passed and slow, humanity is slowly coming out of the stone statues, and some of the survivors are trying to are trying to figure out how to cure the stone the, the stone curse, basically. Okay. So it's directed by Shinya Lino of for TMS Entertainment, and it stars Yasuka Kobayashi, um, who was, was famous for anime series such as Re Zero, starting Life in Another World, uh, Makoto Fu. Furukawa uh, was who plays uh, voices Saitama in One Punch Man, 
and a couple of other stars. So this is basically that mannequin challenge from a couple of years ago gone into overdrive, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh man, the mannequin challenge. That that takes all that's a long time ago. Far out. God, I feel so old now. You look it. Well, what do you think though? Like, do you reckon it's a good premise? Um, pretty much anything can be a good pre- premise for an anime. It's just what, how it's executed. And looking at the short we've got for this, it's not looking too bad. Can as you long make- as it doesn't have um, everyone standing there for an entire episode just screaming. <laughs> but that's a cool. That's a cool. I love. I love that premise. How they're saying that they're going to use science to try and rebuild the world and from scratch. Well, that's what they've done in a number of different anime. The story reminds me of I Am a Legend as well, if you think about it. Mm, you've lost me there. Where, where are you going yeah. with this? So t- the story about the guy surrounded by bloodthirsty monsters and the story about the people who turned to stone are similar stories. In terms of the last few, well, last few humans on Earth kind of thing, yeah. And so this they... is about the people coming back to life. Yeah, but this is so it's more two. of an Adam and Eve scenario. Yeah, yeah. Although from the shot that I saw, it was two blokes, so it's an Adam and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, the liberals in America are going to be this jumping up and down. <laughs> this is the gay agenda. <laughs> the, 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 the liberals in America are going to have their faces melting. Oh my goodness. Oh, this is so you guys hyped up for this ep- for this anime? I don't watch anime enough to care, so no. I won't say hyped up, but I'll probably check it out at some point. I'm hyped up to go and watch Stranger Things once we're done here. <laughs> but I will I I've got to admit though, like um these I'd like to see more more of this type of like end of world scenario type anime series. Like we we had there there isn't enough of that in anime already. Oh, the the last big one, the last good one we've seen was Evangelion, and that came out on Netflix recently. And and the feedback from it was pretty bad. So let me get this straight: like, yeah, yeah, overlooked Attack on Titan. Oh, I don't know what Attack on Titan is based on real world scenario, though. Like, what an Evangelion is? No, as in like, um, it's based on like cities and like um, technology and stuff. Like, Attack on Titan doesn't feel like it feels like steampunk. While Attack on Titan and Doctor Stone is basically based on this era kind of thing. What Evangelion's supposed to be future? It's supposed to be future, but then how long ago did you last watch Evangelion? Um, uh, two or three years back. You need to go and check out the plot synopsis. Because you've also got um, Mobile Gundam that talks about end of world civili- end of civilization scenarios a couple of times, <coughs> whether it's in Iron Blood Orphans or um, Double Zero. Um, you got heaps of different ones. That seems to be the common premise: is um, unifying the world because it's facing extinction. Um, Which you know, guys, just. Uh... Just another couple of degrees, sort of. Surely we'll get around to that one day. <laughs> well, actually, um, we got what is it? The Tartarus sunspot supposed to help raise the temperature of the planet. Oh, great! As if I don't sweat enough already. <laughs> oh, well, we could always give you a couple of heaters and get you to wear a few jumpers, dress up as Doctor Who. <laughs> no, because I have a fourth Doctor costume with the handmade scarf made myself. And I cannot physically wear it, even in winter, 
because I will literally die. <laughs> now, is is that a, a reality or just an, an, an over-exaggeration? It's a reality. Every time I've worn it, I've had to take it off several times during the uh, event. Uh-huh. I was just thinking maybe we could um, test this hypothesis. Why would you want to kill me? I didn't say kill you. Just torture you a little bit, just to see how far we can go. Just I, I, I keep torturing the DJ, so I figured have have a bit of time torturing you for a change. I'll see if I can find the photos of it, because I sweat a lot wearing it. Like, my face is just glistening. Uh, I shouldn't pick on you too much for that. I do the same. You, you and I were, were two guys that were sitting there, supernova, sweating. Yeah. The ventilation in those convention halls is always awful. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, plus we, were on the, we were on Friday, so that kind of that was kind of a damper. Why? I don't know. It was pretty good, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I get you, but it was just not many people. Uh, I was surprised by how busy it was on a Friday. Really? Plenty of people there. I had fun. We had lots of people come past the booth. Oh, yeah. yeah. True, true, true. You were, running, you were running around all the time and... Handing out business cards and everything. Well, we don't know what you're doing. You said you were handing out business cards. I did. <laughs> I did I think, hand I think you were checking out a couple of the actors that were there. Well, if I was, if, if I was, if I can afford to pay for an autograph session, maybe. But yeah, no, honestly, um, this anime is looking pretty cool though. So yeah, I'll probably check it out. Could be worth giving a look at. Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so we've got you, Bucky. You've got a story about brain circuits. Um, well, yeah, it's actually the um, three distinct s- sections of the brain. Are involved in decision making, whether it's good or bad decisions. And there's actually a study being done that looks at um, exactly how they operate because everyone always keeps saying it all decision making is conducted in the prefrontal cortex um, or the prefrontal lobe. And the reality is that YAR researchers have found three distinct circuits connecting in different patterns and so forth in decision-making and looking at the way that, that if there's um, damage or something like that for mental health disorders, such as addiction and so forth, and the impact that has on decision-making. So, yeah, like if you go to a restaurant every week for a few months and you've always had good food and then... The last the last time you go there, it, for some reason, you got a bad ser- bad meal or bad service. Um, how you react to that is an example of bad and good decision making. So some people will see that and just go, "No, I'm not going back," ignoring all the previous good experiences. And yeah, so they're, they're testing on rats in this case, but they're not actually hurting them. They're just activating behaviors and studying the the way the brains are working. So in this case, would you say that it disproves the whole concept of how um, humans are creatures of habit? Well, it's part of that, but it's there's a lot more to it. Because um, this is looking at the, the concept of schemas and memory formation. So, yeah. I've, I like to like see this, um, this type of programming done on computers and how the computer would um, make an algorithm out of this. This will be interesting. 
I think what he's trying to say is that it would be interesting to see a machine learning model inspired by this. Well, there's most of coding for computer programs operates in a similar manner already because you've got if then else <coughs> functions in most coding programs. So like you have the if such and such happens, then do such and such else continue as normal or blow up as some computers seem to do so yeah it's already like there's a lot of this sort of stuff that's already in a lot of it but it's it's shifting away the focus of all decision making is conducted purely at the in the one section of the brain there and it's it's something like it's it's not groundbreaking it's there's a lot of recognition that different sections of the brain operate to um retrieve memories and interact with different memories and stimuli so but yeah, it's just uh, the, the the research that's involved in this is um quite an interesting read and um unfortunately i don't have the doi on the original research in the link that i provided but i have gone and read some the original paper and yeah it's gets very in depth but yeah quite quite an interesting read for people who are wanting to learn about the brain and why you make bad decisions such as keep going back to being treated badly by someone who's a jerk. Yeah, does it? Yeah. Although, mind you, it also does um, phrase into question whether the circuitry can be um, changed as well because from what we're seeing here, it's saying that oh, it doesn't. you can't really change the circuitry. Once it's changed, it's done forever. No, no. Um because there's a lot of research that shows um, neuroplasticity and reordering behaviour of the brain, but you have to understand what's happening to be able to affect change in anything, and in particular with the brain, with with all the neural patterns and so forth. Um, yeah, uh, I won't go too in depth because I'll start zoning out into another space. But um, yeah, the teaching the, the brain to relearn how to do things and form new memories and pathways is actually quite easy if you have someone who knows what they're doing and, uh, and put in the time and effort. But you have to understand what's actually going on yeah, to be able to do it. Kind of the key thing in experimental psych, like PTSD treatments, isn't it? Yeah. like um, We actually spoke about this once before. I think uh, I did a research paper looking at a thing called fear extinction in relation to PTSD, so the formation of new memories and so forth, where you activate the neurons associated with that memory and then record new memories over the top of it. And they've actually shown, like there's science reviews on TED Talk and everything like that, that where they actually talk about um, the generation of new memories and introducing false memories through um, neural stimulation. So it's... Pretty high level once you start looking at some of that those aspects of it, but this is a good introduction to the basic basics of the concepts that are involved. This, so yeah, um, it does. This this um, this also takes into doubt as well the whole um, hypnotic suge- suggestions. Well, that's no. doubt bloody ever. Hypnotic suggestion is you you have to be open to the suggestion. You 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 aren't going to do things you aren't already predisposed to being willing to do. So yeah, like there's heaps of research on it, 
it, the, the hypnotic suggestion is basically similar to um, the self-fulfilling prophecy. You understand what that is? Yeah. So the self-fulfilling prophecy, for those who don't understand, um, when a person makes a prophecy, um, people look for examples of it happening or they try to subconsciously try to make it happen, um, which is how curses operate. So you get a voodoo witch doctor or whatever it is that they have um, puts a curse on you. <laughs> it's your belief in it. It makes it a reality. So and there's tons of research on that sort of stuff. Um, if you believe something's going to happen, you'll make it happen yourself subconsciously. And the power of the mind over the physical structure of the body is well documented that the power of positive thinking has helped people beat cancer. But at the same time, there is a limit on how far it can go. The more we understand of it, the better we can be. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole, um, uh, what's that other? There used to be a thing called the secret, which was basically um, oh. the same, the same concept as well. Um, that was a that was just a gimmicking thing, profiting off of the idea of power of positive thinking and so forth. A lot of people sell this sort of stuff, but most of them are charlatans. It's the same as um, you had some. There's there's an entire industry with one particular guy profiting off of the Mozart concept. Oh, um, playing Mozart to babies. Yeah, like the Mozart effect is a lot of hokum. It's been shown and proven. Um, there's literally tons of literature into it, and the original experiment, even the, the person who conducted it, only said there was only a minimal variance between Mo- playing Mozart and normal music in the arousal of the brain, and it was only a temporary increase in the intelligence of the um, individuals, and it was only on the spatial recognition on the Stanford Binet IQ test. So the applications are very limited, but... Is research that shows that there's support for the hypothesis that playing music exercises and stimulates all the brain and activates it, creating an aroused state in the brain, which then means the brain's functioning at a higher level. Yeah, you understand why I said we shouldn't go too high into this because I start getting too nerdy and geeky. Yeah. yeah. Basically, these um, positive thinking life coach types have can have an influence on you like buck said if you think about it hard enough you will make it happen instead of um like it will influence you to take a path that will lead to it but Mm -hmm. it's not some magic it's not going to completely change your life without you putting in a lot of hard work yeah and they're just trying to sell you on the lie that it will do it without the hard work there's no there's no instant quick fix gimmick which is what the secret seem to promise like the biggest proponent for um or exponent I should say for um the secret was oprah this will make oh, your life goodness. so much better she was already a she was already a billionaire when she said that like life was already pretty good until she started saying you get a car you get a car you get a car you get a car. she didn't have to pay for it it was all given like it was all sponsored she never paid for that and even if she did, it's a tax write-off. Uh, and then she shut down her book club because it turned out the uh, author that she'd interviewed was a complete con. Yeah. Ah, uh, Oprah. She will never grow... Her antics will never grow old. I don't know. I kind of got concerned about that show when Tom Cruise was jumping up and down on the lounge. 
I mean, if I see Tom Cruise anywhere, I'm concerned. Yeah, it was. Have you seen the the, the clip of him jumping up and down on the lounge in excitement? Yeah, I have. He looks like a chimpanzee on on methamphetamines, going crazy. Wasn't that after the fact that she that, that um she, she he was excited in love because um he was marrying another marry, marrying another woman at the time, and he was going through this whole Scientology buzz. He what? Speak up, boy. Uh, <laughs> and you're saying I was going to get in trouble for saying about Hitler. <laughs> Wasn't it because like Tom Cruise was was in love and he was also crazy in Scientology at the time? Yeah, he's he, still into Scientology. And you can't say he's crazy. Okay, how about insane? Does that help? Are you qualified to pass this definition and diagnosis? Uh oh, no. That folks is the penny dropping. Ah, <laughs> uh, anyways, um, moving on. Um, Professor, you've got a story about um game piracy going on don't buy games from g2a there you have it folks that's the take-home message for tonight yeah so what so what game are you playing um, DJ? (laughs) (laughs) so tell us more about g2a and why we shouldn't buy games from them g2a sounds fairly innocuous they're um a key reseller the idea is that if you end up with a copy of a game that you don't um want you can sell the activation code to someone else and um, they can get it in their Steam library using uh, G2A. And they act as the, the middleman, sort of like eBay. Okay. But the problem is people were actually going out and stealing credit cards, buying a ton of games and selling them on G2A and getting away with it because when the credit card gets revoked by the bank, the game developer gets no money because um, the charges were fraudulent, but the, uh, the buyer still has their 100 copies of whatever game, which they dump on G2A for a couple of bucks each and basically launder their money through it. Fair enough. I could understand them being upset there then. See, I always thought when, um, when, Steam, and, when Steam first came out, I thought pir- gaming piracy would be a thing of the past, like no more going, to, no more like burn, burning a game on the CD and giving giving it to a friend of yours. Like it back was in the a day. huge um, impact on the piracy scene because a big part of piracy is service availability, and that's what uh, they're providing to reduce piracy. But uh, game developers are coming out and saying pirate your game from the torrent site instead of buying it from G2A. Because it's not just that the games on G2A are stolen. It actually costs the developers money. They have to pay fees in uh, for the fraudulent, tran- fraudulent transaction. Um, they have to deal with deactivating keys if they choose to take that part and having people upset with them because their key got revoked. Because when your key gets revoked, people don't think that it's um, people don't see for some reason don't think I bought it from a cheap place. Maybe it's dodgy. They go and rant about the developer. Mm-hmm. So have the game. So have game studios um, decided to put any anti-piracy policy um, like systems as a result? There's not any way they can really do that because buying a game on G2A, it's a perfectly legal game. It's uh, not like it's not like you're making a copy of the game. It's like you're walking into a shop, picking up a copy of the game, and paying for it with counterfeit money. It, um, it's not something that the the developer can detect. 
unless they get a report from the bank that this particular card number was used in a fraudulent transaction, which they can then use to revoke that particular transaction. Yeah. I feel sorry for... Uh, I, know, I know in this day and age, we, we always bash on like developers like EA and Epic Games. Only the bad ones. <laughs> but in this case, I don't know, man. Like, I feel sorry for them. Like, I know they, they have their scummy business practices and all, but I know this is kind of scummy in, in a whole nother level. Yeah, it's literally selling stolen goods out of, out of the back of your van. It's not, um, there's nothing legal or ethical about it. And you're doing more damage to the company than you would if you just downloaded the game because you're costing them money in dealing with the fraudulent transactions. Can you imagine bringing back those, um, you, you know how in some of those commercials you would say, like, you wouldn't download, you wouldn't steal a car, you wouldn't um, steal a handbag, you would download a movie. Yeah, the one that used pirated music. <laughs> because the uh, people who made the ad didn't actually have the license for it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that is funny. Oh man, I can't admit though. Like, um, so I have have um agency police and other agencies got themselves involved yet into the, in this scenario, or are they gonna keep make Not it? That keep I, know. it... I don't think they can go after GQA because they're probably based overseas somewhere. But um, obviously, the local police would go after the credit card thieves. I just don't know where. Um, here we go. They were founded in Poland, but are based out of uh, Hong Kong. Nothing dodgy in that at all. Yeah, I don't see what anyone could do to like stop G2A doing this, except make it somehow make it illegal for them to continue operating. Well, isn't it? Um, with a lot of the games on groups like Steam. You can purchase. You're purchasing the game for yourself or as a gift. Yeah, so it's and against so, the license. Yeah, but that's hard to enforce. Well, and the Eula doesn't really have any standing. Okay, I'm sure there's a way they could come up with this stopping it. And, well, I do remember, like, and when it, when the maybe when the the key gets revoked, they can just go. Your key has been found to be involved in fraudulent activity. Well, I do remember, like, a um, couple of games that um, put, like, anti-piracy... Um, it's not piracy in the normal sense. It's a legit key that's been purchased yeah. fraudulently. Yeah, yeah. So it's not piracy in the normal sense. Yeah. It's actually taken... It's taken a legitimate copy and selling it for legal tender, but you're, purchase, you're, you're stealing it by... Fraudulent payment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, this definitely really freaks of piracy, but but you're right. It does. It's not piracy in the sense that I'm not thinking about. You're right. Yeah. Like I said to the professor, like I feel sorry for the game developers and the people involved. I mean, we bash on EA mm. and Epic Game Store for like for their shitty activities, but this is. <laughs> well, see, EA would actually be the best ones to be able to combat this. They could just say it's a surprise mechanism. Oh, <laughs> oh dear Lord. <laughs> have you have you, have you heard the latest um few have you heard the latest few um stupidity from that from that debacle though? No. The latest one what was the latest one? Um oh loot boxes are freedom of speech. Getting rid of it is like freedom of speech. Wow. <laughs> was was that um endorsed by Israel Falau? <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And what's the other one? Oh, um, loot boxes are like baseball cards, mm. which, which doesn't, which is a false equivalency in a sense. I oh, sorry. I'm trying to that Remember well. what happened last time? When we said, if you bring up loot boxes, we'll kill you. <laughs> and you know, I didn't even lead you into it. Well, you kind of you, did. You, you went, no, you went there all on your own. <laughs> you, you're the one who came out all of, on your own with it. I just said surprise mechanisms. I agree with you there, but um, what I'm trying to – okay, the point is, though um, – like, This would be interesting because he doesn't have a point. The point I'm trying to make is that is there a line which, where we should feel sorry for the – Game developers as a whole, game game as in in, in in the game design front, like oh, it hampers game development. There's no doubt about it, but it's like I don't know about feeling sorry sorry for them, but I can understand their position because it's criminal activity and they're just trying to combat it. That's all. Yeah, the, it's basically desperation. They don't have any legal method of this, so they're basically trying to limit the um, impact that it has on their finance. And also, and that's going if they go broke, then they're not going to be, keep producing games, are they? And we'll only end up with a group such as EA who just rip your guts out and <laughs> throw them across the concrete and call it profit. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, um, moving along. So where have you been playing, Buck? I've been playing Mafia 3. Ooh, oh. that's, that's going to be fun. It has been um, running around um, New Bordeaux, which is a thinly veiled reference to New Orleans. Um, this time, you're not actually a mafioso. You, yeah, you're a um, um, returned Vietnam vet who's African American and grown up in a impoverished racial, racially prejudiced area. Um, you come back from Viet- having been in Vietnam as a special forces soldier, and you're having a party, and you, yeah, you find that the guy who was your crime boss, but also kind of like a father, and the guy who's kind of like a brother, are getting hassled. So you go do something about that, and then um, they get murdered by the mafia. So you go after the mafia, and you start going out and killing off the bad guys and consolidating power. And taking over the city with the help of a CIA liaison. Ah, I gotta love the old days. <laughs> what? I gotta love the old mafia days. I am completely gobsmacked. You, you, you realise in the, those good old mafia days, you'd be in trouble. Yeah, you're not supposed to talk about the mafia. But um, yeah, that's a very that's a that's a good synopsis in in a in, in essence. It's a good synopsis. Yeah. Um. After like I've gotten through the first part where I've I've taken over three districts and taken over the rackets and I'm moving into the next stage where you actually get um, car racing as part of it so you can actually race cars and get upgrades for the car and also further consolidate power by going after a whole new level of um, criminal enterprise but yeah you, you build up your money and you 
upgrade your guns and your cars and so forth. It's easier to steal cars in this one. You just smash the window and jump in and hotwire it and drive off, or you open the door and I need to need to borrow your car <laughs> kick the, and kick the person out. Um, but do you, yeah, do you get to um, do, oh, do you get to do the old um, shakedown as well? What do you mean shakedown? As in, like, I'm um, going to shop and say, like, oh, that's a very nice looking um, not nice looking product there. But it'd be a shame if they um tumble down. No, you're playing against the mafia. You're not mafia. Well, no, you are playing as a criminal mastermind. Like you're taking okay. over. You're taking over all the things, but you're not part of the mafia. But you you can go into shops. Like there's um items you need, such as the special fuses for the because you um tap the phone, so you have to get special fuses that you use to build a um bug that put, get you put onto the phone junction boxes and some of those are in the back back of shops and there's also medical kits in some of the shops and that as well and but they're in restricted areas so when you go in there you get the, the store and it comes in what are you doing in here boy you're not supposed to be in here you know we don't have your kind in there shop because he's a he's he's not white so yeah you can punch them and knock them out and then take what you need and then also rob them to get the cash that you need to pay for your medical stuff and upgrades and ammunition and whatnot. Mm, nice, nice. You can do um, silent takedowns. So you you ambush a person by hiding behind something and you whistle. They come over looking for you and you stick a knife through their neck. Brutal. Well, they do call it a brutal takedown. It's interesting, though. Um, the way you were describing it, it feels like a GTA game, but it's not a GTA game in essence, isn't it? Well, a lot of the stuff in this is um, it's, it follows on very similar to some of the other, like the other two Mafia games, Mafia 1 and 2, where you, you, you build up the bits and pieces and you've got the character from Mafia 2 is actually in this game and he becomes one of your underbosses. So, yeah, for those who have played Mafia 2, um, yeah, Vito Skeletor returns. You know what I reckon would be really good in a... Mafia type game. You know the Nemesis system from uh, that Middle Earth game? Shadow of War. Shadow of Mordor first. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I, I'd love to see some of the mechanics in this become a little bit more fluid. So it's a little bit um, jerky in some ways. So um, I'd, like to, I'd love to see it adopt um, the same mechanics as what you have in um, Skyrim and that sort of game where it's a bit smoother, but um, yeah, overall it's it's fun. You get to run around, you, you get different ca- all the different cars and trucks. One of the jobs I've had to do is go steal semi trailers for bootleg um, produce to sell through the um, smuggling operation that I take over. So I get to drive a semi trailer through the bayou and then through town. Um, you get. Boats. You have to go to pick up um, drugs for or marijuana for the drug operation. So you get to drive all different sorts of boats. They got fan boats, and if you um, happen to have an inordinate number of bodies you want to dispose of without being seen, you can dispose of them in the rivers where there's alligators who will come and eat them, or the bodies will sink. Lovely. Yep. Feeding the wildlife. <laughs> That's it. You're, you're giving back to nature, and thus begins the circle of life. And, but when you commit a crime, if you uh, like, you have witnesses, some of them will run to make a phone call. You can go and knock them out before they make the call. 
Yeah, hopefully that works better than it does in GTA, where there's a bug that lets wildlife report you to the police. Um, I haven't had any wildlife making phone calls yet because I've got to <laughs> run to a payphone to make the call. Uh, yeah, I suppose I didn't have uh, mobiles in 19... 19- oh, wait, when is this one set? Um, After Vietnam, so early 70s. Yeah, so early 70s sort of thing. So they've got and it's they've got um the radio like when you're in the cars driving around or in shops and so forth you hear the radio stations and you get um all the different um radio stations playing different bits and pieces so like some of it is just pure redneck where there's a white guy who's a Korean War vet who's on trial as part of this because like, they talk like, there's always talk about the civil rights stuff because that's all happening at the time and the anti-segregation bills and everything. And um, there's a white guy who's a Korean war vet who's in trouble because he shot to, uh, in the words from the game, these two young Negroes who came up onto his porch and he thought they were there to kill him. What are, what are you supposed to expect them to be there for? And um, so he shot them. But they were there, there because they had a flat tire and were asking for help. Sounds a bit like um, they're trying to dive into the deeper issues like we were talking about last week with uh, child soldiers in COD? Uh, I think they're just presenting the re- the realities of what the environment was. Rather, like they're, not, they're not trying to do anything about it. They're just saying this is how it was, which is one of the things with Mafia 1 and 2. There was a lot of stuff they did and that was the same, where it's um, the Italian immigrants when they first, in like in Mafia 1 and Mafia 2, it talks about when the Italian immigrants first came to America. They a lot of them didn't speak a lot of English, and the criminal organisations taking over were from within them, like from within the community, and taking control and making so people were basically starving. It's like the old grandfather stories you hear. Like I first came to America, all I had was a hundred dollars and a and a pile of clothes and an old suitcase. Well, if you had a hundred dollars back in those days, you were rich. Okay, okay, scratch the hundred dollars. Three dollars. I had only three dollars, and I made, and I made it. Yeah, well, you got like some of the songs that are playing. Like they got the songs that are playing in the, on the radio and stuff are actual songs from the era too, because this was like around the Woodstock era. So you got yeah. the hippies. Ah, uh, yes. But no Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely need to make a bingo sheet for our for, for a weekly podcast. We definitely need to make a bingo bingo sheet for this do we you keep you keep saying this but you never do it like what's stopping you oh i'm i'm, I'm just trying to figure out which, what the other space is ah well we so, could talk about your we could also have you talk about something and not doing it and procrastinating ah oh, man anyways um professor uh, what have you he been moved playing? on pretty quickly from that one <laughs> yes he has so professor what have you been playing i've been playing the crash bandicoot insane trilogy you haven't oh. been playing the ukulele no <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh god! I have one outside. Well, it's just the the DJ just asked what you what you've been playing. Yeah, you so could have, I... you could have said my ding a ling. Oh, anyways, Professor. So, how do you find the game so far? I'm enjoying it. It's um it still holds up pretty well. It's classic '90s platformer stuff with uh, bright colors and, and all of that. You got to bring Spyro back to the same level. They are. They have actually. I heard that Spyro Remastered came out earlier this year. My sister-in-law will be in heaven. Yeah, 
and I'm pretty sure it's coming to Switch, which I'm planning on picking up when I can. Awesome. Spyro. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Oh, the uh, Spyro Reignited Trilogy, it comes out Nintendo Switch September 3rd, 2019. Oh. So is, have they included any new aspects to the game, or is it just the same old Crash Bandicoot? Um, they've added in a few bonus levels that are based off um, prototype levels that got cut from the game, and they made it so you can play as his sister Coco. Okay. Or, um, the games that she wasn't in because the plot of the third game involves a time machine. So they're like, of course, she could have just time traveled back. Mm-hmm. And how many masks are you collecting? Uh, you don't really collect the masks. They're more for, um, they're basically shield. Okay. And so long as it's a play Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. I just remember they had the masks. You had to catch up. You had to collect masks for bonus stuff and all that sort of things. With the, do you reckon, though, we're seeing a resurgence of the uh, good old platform games? Yeah. You mean going back to games that are fun instead of um, um, battle royales? <laughs> that's true, that's true. Hey, there, there you go. It only lasted a couple of hours before Nintendo shut it down. There was um, Mario Royale, which oh. was, uh, yeah, it was the original Mario a royale game where um, you mostly can't interact with the other players but you can steal items by grabbing them first and if you get a star you can just sprint through and kill everyone hang on the original mario was in donkey kong okay the second mario or the third one or whatever the first mario game was uh yeah see a lot of people forget that the original mario was in donkey kong trying to rescue princess peach from donkey kong Although he wasn't Mario, he was Jumpman. No, it was Mario. Okay. Like the actual character and everything. I, I, from what I can remember, the name was Mario. Yeah, I'm like it's the same character, but they called him Jumpman back then. Okay, um, here you go. So it says here, while the protagonist was unnamed in the Japanese release, he, was na- he would be named Jumpman in the game's English instructions and Mario in the sales brochure. Can't hear you speak up. So it's basically it was he was in Donkey Kong and the protagonist was unnamed in the Japanese release. Um, he would be named Jumpman in the game's English instructions and Mario in the sales brochure. Ah, there you go. He was called Mario. All right. But yeah, so any other new surprises besides the um, additional characters? Uh, not that I've found. They haven't introduced a battle royale or a MOBA. Fortunately or not. Sandpit. So they have uh, kept it pure. As I was saying, though, like it's good to see like all these plat- platformer games coming out. Though, like um, they've once upon a time released the uh, remastered version of Donkey Kong, and that was I was I was pretty amazed by that. Although I was jealous that I should, I was kind of jealous that I didn't get a Nintendo at the time. Well, I haven't re-released the original Donkey Kong yet. You mean the the good old um, the good old Donkey Kong um, adventures? No, the original Donkey Kong was Donkey Kong at the top as the bad guy throwing barrels down at you. Ah, uh, not that. I'm, I'm at the other one, but okay, fair enough. I'm in Donkey <laughs> Kong Country, but yeah. Oh, man. But see, um, you had, what was it? Was it Monkey Island? Was about the same time as that on PC. And that was a lot more fun because it was the, ch- the puzzles and challenges were a lot more intellectually stimulating. Monkey Island came out, the first one came out in 1990. Mm-hmm. And the latest one came out in 2010. That's a special edition. Yeah. Andrew. Well, what game have you been playing 
Oh, DJ? Uh, I've been playing Apex Legends. So Season 2 has came out today, and wow, it's a very interesting setup they've got there. So now you've got dragons. Are they live dragons? Yes. Yes, they are. They are live dragons, and um, you've got a new hero by the name of Watson as well. Uh, she's more of the... Uh, she creates force fields, but not like um, not like the other uh, other um, competitor in Apex Legends, though. Okay. Well, we need one that... They'll have to bring in another one that uses the Thune. The Thune? To defeat the dragons. Ah. <laughs> but yeah, so they've um, they've also changed the, um, the map completely. So there's, um, like I said, the, there's huge gigantic monsters now in the middle of the field. So that makes the game in, even more crazier. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is... I'm just looking at uh, Watson's ability. So she's got... Per- so she's got per- perimeter security at that attack. That just basically connects the nodes to cre- uh, to create electrified fences. Your passive is basically ultimate accelerants can charge your ultimate ability, fully fully charge them. And your ultimate is basically intercept interception pylon. Basically, um, attaching a pylon that destroys uncom- incoming inordinates and repairs damaged shields as, as yeah. long as it stands. You're starting to whisper. Is there a problem? Yeah, I'm starting to cough. <laughs> but yeah, season two has been very interesting. I've been, I, I've, I want to try out the dragons though. They look cool. Can you ride the dragons like Spyro? I think you can. I think you can. I've, I've, been, I've been wanting to ride one, but they were like, "Nah, you can't get away." I was getting someone That's beats. Prob- me. Is that just because it's you, or just no, part of the game? That's no. part of the game. You have to pick one. Yeah, you can't actually ride them. You can kill them though and get good uh-huh. loot. And if you kill one, apparently the um the death box is a random developer's name or someone off your friend list. Okay. You had me all excited there that we're gonna be able to ride dragons, DJ. I know, right, I know. Oh the disappointment for our listeners. They're gonna be going, that darn DJ. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I I, I wanna I wanna play more now. I really want to play more. <sighs> anyway, so onwards to our shout-outs. We've got uh, 2nd of July, 1839. Slaves aboard a Spanish schooner, La, La Amistad, revolt to um, secure their freedom while being transported from one Cuban port to another. And they made a movie out of it. Good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2nd of July, 1900, LC-1 also known as the Luftschiff Zeppelin 1, made its maiden flight. The first flight lasted about 18 minutes and covered about three and a, three and a half miles over Lake Constance at Friedrichshafen in southern Germany, not far from the Swiss border. DJ, how yes. many babies are in the room with you? Uh, a couple of people, a couple of babies. Then speak up, because I don't care if the baby's sleeping. <laughs> um, so the first sounding flight, creepy. It's not ASMR. ASMR is a pleasant sound. <laughs> um, so the first flight of the LZ1. Accumulation of years of planning by its creator, Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin. What a great name. <laughs> That's interesting, though. Its, its first flight was basically 18 minutes long and covered yeah. three and a half miles. And how long have you flown? The flight was like 10 seconds. What, you mean the Kitty Hawk? No, I mean the right flyer at Kitty Hawk. Ah. Uh, Kitty Hawk was the place. I always thought Kitty Hawk was the plane, but it okay. is a plane, but it wasn't one for years after until like years later. Yeah. 
It was named in remembrance of that. Okay. I stay corrected. Um, and so, don't you forget it. On the 4th of July, 1776, uh, Independence Day, colloquially known as the 4th of July, is a federal holiday in the United States commemorating the Declaration of Independence of the United States on the 4th of July, 1776. The Continental Congress declared that the 13 American colonies were no longer subject to the monarch of Britain and were now united free and independent states. The Congress had voted to declare independence two days earlier on July 2nd, but it was no, not declared until July the 4th. So happy 4th of July, America. So onward to our remembrances. Uh, 2nd of July, 1850. So Robert Peel's sack Second Baronet was a, was a British statesman and Conservative Party politician who served twice as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom and twice as Home Secretary. He's regarded as the father of modern British policing by founding the Metropolitan Police Service, leading to a new type of police officer known in tribute of him as Bobbies and Peelers. He's also, he, he also reformed and liberalised criminal law. He died from a horse-riding horse accident at 62 in Westminster, Middlesex. <sighs> I wonder where was the law at that time? Well, the law has nothing to do with horse-riding. Horses, yeah. being animals, are not constrained by our silly human laws. Well, they have. There are laws that govern their usage and so forth, but a horse-riding accident is an accident. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 7th of July, 1999, Mario Gianluigi Puzo was an American author, screenwriter, and journalist. He's known for his crime novels about the Italian-American mafia, most notably The Godfather, which he later co-adapted into, into a three-part film saga directed by Francis Ford Coppola. He received the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for the first film in 1972 and part two in 1974. Puzo also wrote the original screenplay for the 1978 Superman film, his final novel, The Family, was released posthumously in 2001. He died of heart failure at 78 in West Bayshore, New York. Heart failure is another thing that doesn't respect our laws. <laughs> yeah, so rude of it. <laughs> well, oh, okay, I was going to say something, but now nah, nah, I think about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, 2nd of July 2008, Elizabeth Spriggs was an English character actress. Spriggs' role with the Royal Shakespeare Company include Nurse in Ro Romeo and Juliet, Gertrude in Hamlet and Beatrice in Much Ado About Nothing. In 1978, she won the Olivia Award for Best Supporting Actress for the Arnold Wesker's Love Letters on Blue Paper. She received a BAFTA nomination for Best Supporting Actress for the 1995 film Sense and Sensibility. Her other films include Richard's Things, Impromptu, Paradise Road, and Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which she, interestingly enough, was the fat lady in, in the portrait. She died at 78 in Oxford, Oxfordshire. And uh, now to the famous birthdays. Uh, 2nd of July, 1877, Hermann Hesse, German-born poet, novelist, and painter. Best-known works include Dam Damien, Special, Steppenwolf, Siddhartha, and The Glass Bead Game each of which explores an individual's search for authenticity, self-knowledge, and spirituality. In 1976, he received the Nobel Prize in Literature. He was born in Kohl, Wattenberg. Uh, 2nd of J July, 1908, Thurgood Marshall, American lawyer serving as American Associate Justice 
of the Supreme Court of the United States from October 1967 until October 1991. Marshall was the court's 96th justice and its first African-American justice. Prior to this judicial system, he successfully argued several cases before the Supreme Court, including Brown v. Board of Education, which held the racial segregation in public education is a violation of the Equal Protection Clause. He was born in Baltimore, Maryland. Now, Thurgood Marshall, American lawyer, does follow our laws. (laughs) Our being human laws, not Australian laws, obviously. Uh, American laws, not human laws. Uh Uh-oh. Some of them are humans. I didn't say they weren't. But they're not, their laws aren't human laws. Fair enough. 3rd of July, 1935, Harrison Schmidt, an American geologist, retired at NASA Astronaut University professor, former U.S. Senator from New Mexico, and a crew member of the Apollo 17, the most recent living person to have walked on the moon. As Apollo, as Apollo 17 was the last of the Apollo mission, he also became the 12th and second youngest person set foot on the moon and the second to last person to step off of the moon schmidt also schmidt also visited also remains the first and only professional scientist to have flown beyond low earth orbit and to have visited the moon he was born in santa rita new mexico and finally to our events of interest 2nd of july 1843 an alligator falls from the sky during a thunderstorm in Charleston, New South Carolina. Alligators th- don't follow the laws. <laughs> well, they follow the laws of nature. In this, <laughs> in this particular case, the laws of gravity. <laughs> wow, the professor's getting beaten. <laughs> Not as badly as you were. Oh, I don't know, Professor. I don't know about that. Well, that's the problem. You don't know. <laughs> 2nd of July 1956, Elvis records Hound Dog and Don't Be Cruel during ex- exhaustive recording session at RCA Studios in New, New York City. Do you think he was, he was um, speaking a bit more clearly and loudly than the DJ? <laughs> I'm well, going to have to do so much audio processing. <laughs> and finally, on the 3rd of July 1938, world speed record for steam locomotive is set in England by the Mallard which reaches a speed of 125.88 miles per, per hour, which is 202.58 kilometers per hour. That's, a, that's fast. Oh, yeah. That's very, very fast. Uh, so, you guys got anything to add? Yeah, close shop. Where can they find us, DJ? Uh, they can find us on um, Facebook. Uh, they can find us on Twitter at NAmalgamated. Uh, they can find us on that'snotcanon.com where we have an archive of our old episodes and merchandise. Um, they can email us at nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com. Uh, they can, you, you can also um, find on that'snotcanon.com um, a raft of our other podcast series, such as General Queries and Off With The Fairies, and Everybody Wants To Be A Cat. I don't want to be a cat. I don't either. I want to be a Labrador. I feel, I feel misrepresented. <laughs> Yes. I should sue them for discrimination. <laughs> and misrepresentation. After all, it says in the law, false advertising is <laughs> something they've got to be answerable for. Anyways, guys, uh, so, any, so um, any other announcements before we... Um... Um, yeah, we'd like to make an apology for the DJ sounding like he's an obscene phone call this week. <laughs> he's just got a new job and he needs to practice. 
We don't know what the job is, but yeah. Anyways, um, that's it for this week, and um, see you guys. See you next week. Remember to take care of yourselves, look out for each other, and stay hydrated. Hooroo. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.